0: everybody and welcome back to another episode of rocky talkie i'm here today with my gorgeous co-hosts john and aaron hello john and aaron
1: damn right i'm first
2: i am second
0: all right let's do it again aaron and john
2: fuck i am now first
0: (laughs) whatever i'm over this how was your week guys did you do anything fun
1: Uh, I think the week for me was pretty chill, pretty relaxed. Uh, most importantly, I want to say is that I was graced with the presence of the very same Duke of New England on my Twitch stream this week. Oh my God. I know they're now a regular like viewer for me. I felt like I was in the presence of royalty when they stepped into my chat this week. It was absolutely wild. We all lost our minds. That's great,
0: I know you can't see it, but I am seething with rage.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: on site, Duke
2: Oh, my week was pretty good too i uh I finally got all of our Christmas decorations taken down and got the the lights off the house, so now it is boring and drab, just like it should be
1: for the rest of the year, exactly until approximately around what uh middle of September when you put up the Halloween decorations. Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Yep, yep. <laughs> you don't
0: decorate for like Easter and Valentine's Day and stuff.
2: I have little hats to put on my wife's taxidermy that are themed to the holidays.
1: That's the closest stop, we get. Just stop, stop That it. is the cutest thing I've ever heard worst in my thing life. Thing
2: I have ever heard. No, I got like a little Santa hat, and I got little little. Mm-hmm. To- I have a little uh, stove top hat for President's Day that I put on this little mouse that we have. Oh, it's so cute. And we
1: got. Uh, I hate I, it. Do you, why do you hate fun? Dead animals
0: stuffed to look alive is fun? They're yeah. fun she when you put hats on them. She has a bat hanging from the ceiling. Yeah, <laughs> I,
1: I don't think that taxidermy is fun in and of itself. But when you put little hats on them, that immediately becomes fun. If you have any hobby and you just put a hat on it, it's immediately fun.
2: Mm-hmm. hmm I mean, I played a lot of Team Fortress, too. So I think you understand my hat thing. <sighs> Blow it out your ass. <laughs> <laughs> I've got walls
1: oh, of steel. Right, that's Team Fortress.
0: Fucking hate you guys. I really do.
1: I think I'm wrong. I have no idea.
0: Because instead of playing Team Fortress 2 in high school, I was having sex. So I don't know.
1: I'm Nikki.
0: I have sex. I'm Aaron. I'm in debt.
1: I'm John. I'm hot. I don't know. (laughs) God damn it. I mean, if y'all weren't going to take the time to grill me, I was going to, you know, boost myself up. <laughs> I'm pretty sure
0: I already boosted you up and put you down. Thanks so, me. like, you're in a good medium right now. Hell Stay yeah. there. I don't know how to respond. Can we just... You guys want to hop into some global news? You want to do that?
2: I think it's for no. the past.
0: All right. Let's move on to our first
2: segment. Fuck.
0: Beep, beep. We've got a really great Sweet Transvestite cover this week on YouTube. David Bedella did like a very spicy rendition of Sweet Tea and it dropped on January 13th. So for those of you who (laughs) I I now love David Badella, I'm very glad to have gotten to know him. (laughs) So for those of you who may not know, because I certainly didn't, David Badella played Frank for the UK tour in 2006 and 2007 and for the 2009 and 2010 UK tour and again in 2015 for the Rocky Horror Show Live. And judging by his Sweet Tea cover, he was probably a really fucking awesome Frank. He's got absolutely stunning stage presence and a fabulous voice.
1: David Badella is hot like as is the way that he performs sweet tea too like he absolutely oozes big dick energy to a level that like only i can aspire to attain like i would have loved to have seen his frank like live in person i've seen a few recordings of him as frank and they nail it every single time but like i just want to be in the same room and like get that energy i bet it's absolutely insane to see
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, in addition to Frank, David has played a lot of other really big roles. He played Hedwig in Hedwig and the Angry Inch back in 2005. And get this, for his London theatrical debut way back in 2002, he was cast as the warm-up man and Satan in Jerry Springer the Opera. (sighs) So, that show was only performed off-Broadway in the States in New York for a little bit back in 2018, but it was a massive show in the UK. It won tons of awards, it went on tour. Meg and I saw it when it was off-Broadway in New York. It was absolutely crazy. We caught one of the last shows that it was ever doing. It was a great time. So, anyway, David is an absolute powerhouse and has done some really huge roles. You can totally tell, even by this one performance on YouTube... It's definitely worth a watch.
0: Hell yeah. And the Sweet Tea video wasn't just for fun, either. David Bedella, as well as lots of other UK-based performers, have been releasing virtual performances as part of West End Unplugged's The Show Must Go On concert series. So, according to their website, the West End Unplugged series has been produced to help raise funds for three charities that help the most in need across the entertainment industry. The three charities are Backup, the Technical Entertainment Charity, Help Musicians, and UK Theatre Artists Fund. They chose these charities because they feel that, quote, between them, they best represent everyone in our theatre family. So far, the performance series has raised over $17,000, which is nearly £13,000.
1: The Performance Series is actually pretty nuts. They've got super talented artists showcasing a really wide array of musical content. If you're a musical theater nerd like the three of us absolutely are, or if you just want to see David Bedella's insane Sweet Tea cover, you should definitely check out their YouTube channel. And we've linked that in our show notes. And if you have the means to do so, you can donate on their website, which is west-end... Hyphen unplugged.raisley.com, which we will also include in our show notes if you don't feel like re-listening to the podcast over and over again to see where the hyphens go. <laughs> Speaking of hyphens, we're keeping it really global with our global news this week, and we are excited to announce to our listeners across the pond that there's going to be this immersive Rocky Horror Drive-In experience in Manchester. The show isn't until April 23rd, but tickets are already on sale, and it sounds like it's going to be a great time.
0: Oh, yeah. Each car is going to have its own isolated parking area, complete with folding chairs if you want to sit outside, and plenty of room to get out and Time Warp if you want. And you can even have food delivered to your car during the show if you get schnacky, you know? That's just so exciting for me.
1: What, the schnackiness?
0: Like, imagine just, like, big chillin', and then, like, someone approaches your car, With, like, sustenance. That is just so... Oh, sorry.
2: Well, if you want to get food delivered to your car, tickets are available right now. They start at £90, but the price scales depending on how many people are in the car with you. Honestly, it it seems like kind of a lot, but if you divide it by the number of people in your car, it's not that bad. I mean, I'd pay 40 bucks or whatever just to get the fuck out of my house and do
1: anything.
0: I'd pay so much more than that.
1: Honestly. Uh... I have the hiccups. Well... If you're in England and you think you might be bored of your house in April, you can get tickets at feverop.com and select Manchester as your city. We'll also be linking to tickets in our show notes. And if you go, please write to us and tell us. It sounds like it's going to be a great time, and none of us have the money to go over to England during COVID times to go to this. I'm pretty sure they won't let us in, even if we tried. Yeah, I wouldn't let me in either.
0: Yeah, I don't think money's the issue.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And with that... Let's move on to community news. I
2: am so excited for our first bit of community news. Hi, so excited for our first bit of community news. I'm John.
0: Hi, John. I'm Nikki.
2: Hi, John. I'm excited for our first bit of community news. So the first bit of community news, JCCP, that's the Pittsburgh cast, is doing a virtual performance of Repo, the genetic opera.
0: Ooh, <laughs> I know that's like a bit of a divisive show. I've heard it kind of polarizes people as far as who likes it and who might not love it quite so much, but I really like the movie. It's so edgy and I've never seen an in-person performance, so I am absolutely like thrilled and looking forward to a virtual one.
1: Yeah, like I hate Repo because I'm a little bitch and can't watch anything that has any level of horror element to it, whether it be paranormal, gory, suspense. Like I'm, I'm a little bitch, but JCCP in particular is really cool when it comes to putting on shows other than rocky they do repo a lot And while i'm not a huge fan of repo i really respect the craft that goes into creating repo as a shadow cast they also do things like reefer madness uh they did reefer madness a few months ago which was so much fun that's really more my my speed yeah jealous so do i it is a dream of mine to play jimmy harper i want to do reefer so badly
0: I was born Sally, and all of you know that.
1: (laughs) I I, I did Jemio a a long time ago for a a show of Reefer. That was so much fun. I have the photos
0: to prove it. You
1: won't won't (laughs) drop those pictures in the show notes? I might. No, no. (laughs) Well, okay, we don't have a lot of info about their performance of Repo, but it will be streaming this Saturday, January 23rd, and the performance will start at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time.
2: Yep, they've got a Facebook event up for the performance where I assume they're going to be posting more info as they've got it. We'll link to the event in our show notes. We're all really looking forward to this one. As a movie, Repo's kind of meh, but I feel like doing a shadow cast for it makes it a totally different animal. I love watching it performed live, like at cons or anywhere, and I'm a sucker for costumes. And Repo, whatever you think about the movie, it's got some super cool costumes. It does. I agree.
0: I'm psyched for it, so I know that we'll all be watching and cheering on JCCP, and you guys should definitely check it out too. And speaking of virtual performances, did any of you watch the Aresia Convention performances this weekend?
1: I was streaming, unfortunately, on Twitch while they were live, but I definitely checked out the restream afterwards. Some of the songs had the audio cut, but like, who gives a fuck? Like, I know what they're saying.
2: <laughs> you, you didn't want to miss out on Sweet Transvestite, the song? No, uh, I watched all of them. I had nothing else going on, like, at fucking all. So they were great. <laughs>
0: Same, and I absolutely loved them. I feel like it's been a minute since we had a virtual show, and I spent the whole week looking forward to them. The Rocky performance was on Friday night, and it was It was amazing, literally. Like, it was insane. I don't know the actor who played Crim, but they were absolutely terrifying and delightful. I've seen them in other virtual performances, too, and they always make me laugh hysterically. I'm always thrilled when I get to catch them in a show. Hit me up.
1: Oh, Nikki, the actor who played Crim, their name, Penny. Penny. Penny, yeah. Get on the Facebook stalking.
0: Well, shout out to you, Penny. You fucking killed it.
1: All of the performances were really great. Like, you could totally tell that this was, like, a special event performance because everyone was so high energy and on point and creative the whole time. Oh, yeah. They had some really adorable bits.
2: Art Laurie's green screen was amazing. I love that. And Meg and I were killing ourselves laughing at Harley during pool scene, where I'd imagine it must have been Zephyr was blasting them in the face with
1: the shower hose. <laughs> it was so good. That is indeed what Zephyr calls his penis, can confirm.
0: Stop. <laughs>
1: I was on the edge of my seat watching them do Floor Show in the shower. Like, I knew that they were going to be fine. You know, they're all professionals. Quotation marks around the word professionals. But that kind of seems like a thing that could kill you if you fucked it up. Like, good of you, Harley, for having balls of steel.
0: This is such a silly little thing to note. But I love when Eddie and Columbia do the camera rotation bit during Hot Patootie. Like, where they spin the camera around themselves when they're supposed to be spinning around each other. I think it's so clever. And it's just something about the way they did it during this performance that hit so different. Like, I think they lined it up perfectly, or they spun at exactly the same speed or something. It was just simply beautiful. It was perfect, and I choose to believe that it was totally on purpose.
1: Then yesterday, they did back-to-back once more with Feeling and Dr. Horrible, both of which are also a really good time. They used a lot, almost all i think of the same cast members which must have been nuts so like good for you again
2: i'm gonna say it art was my favorite as giles he knew it like perfectly
1: art is my favorite in literally everything that he is in just quality
2: i always kind of thought that i'd want to play giles if i ever shadow casted buffy but i can't really imagine knowing i'd have to go up against art for a role he was dead on plus again his background game so strong I mean, I especially loved the kink dungeon during Buffy's training song. I really like the background trend. I'm pretty sure you guys can tell.
1: I feel like it really adds a lot. Lots of good stuff in this performance. Like, the Xander and the Anya were a lot of fun. Anya's butterfly shirt was particularly fantastic, especially considering how difficult it is to make costumes right now. 13, adorable, literally as always. Her quick change into the blue prom dress was... Fantastic. Yeah, did you see how many board games she has
2: in her house? I had to get up super close to the screen to see what they are. There's, like, Ticket to Ride. There was Seven Wonders. I think I saw maybe Mars.
0: Aaron, not...
1: Aaron, that's a different podcast. Oh, okay.
0: I really like Tara and Willow. I know Tori was playing Tara, and I'm not sure who the Willow was, but they were great. Their song is my fave, and I thought they did a really fantastic job of interacting together, even though they weren't technically together.
1: And, of course... My favorite part of any Once More With Feeling production, Sweet's red makeup was absolutely nuts and super well done. Mm. I'm always a sucker for that role, for that costume, for everything that people do. Savannah, at the most recent RKOCon, had the privilege of doing Sweet for his musical number, and she did like a tearaway for Mm. it. It was absolutely wild. I love that costume. I love everybody who was able to put together an excellent, sweet performance. It's so intense.
0: Also, Harley is an amazing spike. Yup. I figured they'd be cast in Dr. Horrible too, and I wasn't sure how they were going to do the fast costume change because that was some intense makeup. But they pulled it off. It helped that the makeup also worked for Dr. Horrible.
2: So before we move on, can we give a shout out to all the little props that they used in Buffy? Like the (laughs) Legos, there was that little fire truck, and oh my god, don't get me started on the stuntwoman Barbie Buffy. They were freaking adorable. I thought the punching bag pillow was also super funny. They just did a great job, right, of adding all of the little fun layers into the show that you can only do because you're at home with all of your stuff.
1: Yeah, 13 is the director for Once More with Feeling with RKO, and her and her cast bring it Every single time they do that show, it is wild.
2: That's awesome.
1: But Dr. Horrible was equally as good. Like I said, the changeover time in between shows, super tight, but they made it happen really fast, which is a feat in and of itself. Can I just say, like, permission to simp, like, I am in love with Arthur Laurie, like just in general, (laughs) but especially as Captain Hammer, Art, if you're listening, you can give me the hammer anytime you want. The hammer is his penis. I see what you did there. Mm.
0: Did you guys see one of the fangirls in the third act had a signed picture of him as Captain Hammer? That was so fucking good. We can get one for you, John, you know, if you really want.
2: Yes. Yes. <laughs> Can I have one too? Sure. Anyway, they had a lot of really fun extras in this performance. The, the horsemen, right? The, the cowboys, all the townspeople, the newscasters. There was a reappearance by the actor who played Sweets from Buffy, still in red makeup because God knows you're not getting that off that fast. Nobody in this show phoned in the small roles. They made them super memorable and that like added so much to the show in general.
0: Again, Harley was phenomenal as Neil Patrick Harris, as was their counterpart who played Billy. Tori was a super cute Felicia Day. I just can't get over this. Everyone in Tesseract did such an amazing job with these performances. Great job, you guys. We cannot wait to see more of your performances soon.
1: And in case we haven't sucked Harley off enough in this episode, we know that ever since the I Want Your Face video, Zephyr has been the holder of the biggest dick in the Rocky community. Zephyr, I've got some bad news for you, buddy. Or like good news, depending on how you swing this. It's time for you to remove that enormous dick and give it to your partner. (laughs) Because it's time for Big Dick Story Time. And today we have a write-in from, you guessed it, Harley Bean. (laughs) Y'all talked about the quickest time you had to learn a role. This question made me laugh because of the numerous times I've had to learn a role at the last minute. So the worst slash best one was during the Aresia conference in 2018 when our Anya for Buffy Once More With Feeling contracted strep throat. It was the day of the performance and we were scrambling to figure out what to do. Unable to get our costumes and never playing the role, I figured that I was probably the best person for the job. I ran outside in a blizzard to H&M, Primark, and Forever 21 that were nearby, and I managed to find enough pieces to make it work. The butterfly shirt was the most difficult to make. I managed to find a makeup bag with like a similar glittery fabric. I tore the bag apart, and I cut out a butterfly shape and safety pinned it to a shirt. I found red heels that I glued fuzzballs off of a headband to, and I constructed earrings out of a necklace. I did this all about 4 p.m., with the show being around midnight. I then had to learn the entire show and the I'll never tell dance on my own before I was able to meet up with my Xander later that night. All in all, I managed to create my outfits and learn the role in roughly five hours. But not only did I manage to make it happen, I was also playing Billy and Doctor Horrible following the <laughs> performance. It was a lot. I felt like a superstar for being able to pull that off. It isn't shadow casting unless something goes wrong and you manage to pull something incredible off. Hugs and kisses beans i cannot stress enough how realistic that final sentence that they said is that it isn't shadow casting unless something goes wrong and you manage to pull something incredible off whether we're talking about like pulling a rabbit out of a hat so to speak or taking our clothes off you are absolutely correct harley
0: literally holy shit that is so intense
1: i mean I feel like a superstar
2: anytime I manage to put my floor show corset on the right way in time. So that's like most times,
1: but. (laughs) There was this one show where my partner Savannah was playing Frank and I was playing Eddie that night. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not even Dr. Scott. I was just Eddie. Savannah ended up like doing a knee plant right before the show, like was pulling a, a suitcase behind her. And tripped over a stair and landed on her knees. And it just got worse as the show went on. And I almost, almost, almost had to take over Frank after Hot Patootie. But Yikes. I didn't have any of my Frank stuff. And I couldn't fit into any of Savannah's Frank stuff. So I would have just been, like, Eddie poorly cosplaying as Frank for the rest of the show. <laughs> Thankfully, she was able to, you know, muster up the strength to do the rest of the show with, like, severely bruised knees. But, like, can you imagine... <laughs>
2: Man, we've all had those crazy shows. What was it? Last year over Halloween, we had back-to-back shows, and midway through one of them, one of our actors, I think our Janet, had to like step out for a reason, and we were just were stuck sitting there turning around going, is anybody wearing a white bra? Like, <laughs> get the fuck over there. We need a Janet, you know? Yep.
1: Absolutely crazy. That's
0: so funny.
1: Well, Harley, you should feel like a superstar, because you are a superstar, a superstar with an enormous penis, of course. Shlong. Thank you so much for running in. We love hearing from you. And thanks for entertaining us with your awesome performances this weekend. We loved them. If you've got a
2: Rocky-related project you're working on and would like to help us spread the word, if your cast is putting on a virtual performance or if you've got a cool story from your time in the shadow casting community that you'd like to share so that you too can take your turn at having the biggest dick in the community. Write to us. Just go to our website, that's rockytalkypodcast.com, and send us a message. We can't wait to hear from you.
0: Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm Leandra, and we host Rocky Horror Minute. The podcast where we discuss the Rocky Horror Picture Show in excruciating detail, one minute at a time. We're doing this show to share our love of the lyrics. You've never seen a prune in real life. No, (laughs) they're not the same as raisins, right? Our passion for performance. Oh my god! I was like, bad knees, stupid, sober. Our attention to detail. I know that everybody's curious. That car is a 1964 Ford Falcon Deluxe Sedan, Ford or 54D. And to unlock secrets that would otherwise be lost to time. Oh, are you asking if I know the name of the cheetah and why (laughs) it had such a problem with the snake? Visit us on the web at RockyHorrorMinute.com for more information. Or look for us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now I think it's time to move on to our next segment, quite possibly the best segment to ever have been created ever. Nikki Asks a Question.
1: Da-da-da! Video game edition. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this week we've got a really fun write-in for Nikki asks a question. The message comes to us from someone named Totally Roy Rossi.
1: Hello, Mr. Totally.
0: Yes, yes. Mr. Totally writes, Hello, please talk about the Rocky Horror video games. Why were they made? Talk about them, please. Thank you, for
1: four. four. four for this question is a really fun one i've actually looked into these before and because all y'all know like i stream on twitch video games are kind of my thing i recently came into the knowledge about all of these different versions of the rocky horror video games because originally when nyc was putting together their virtual show i wanted to put together a pre-show That had to do with me, like, in some way, shape, or form going through and playing one of the games. But I couldn't find a version that worked because I did not want to spend, like, fucking $800 on the physical copy. So I was trying to illegally download it. I failed miserably, and then I had to do something else. I had to pull something else out of my ass.
0: I've never even heard of these, so they must be super old.
1: They are. Super old. So there are two different games that people call the Rocky Horror Video Game. So the first one was released in like 1985 by CRL Group, and it was actually originally released on the ZX Spectrum and the Amstrad CPC.
0: Speak English, please. Are those just really old game consoles or like a launch code?
1: (laughs) they're they're basically really old video game consoles uh they were made from the same generation of consoles that also introduced like the commodore 64 both the spectrum and the commodore released in 1982 so like think of it like any modern game release often a game comes out first on like xbox or whatever as an exclusive only later to get re-released on another console so that's kind of what happened here the game first released on spectrum and amstrad and then later came out on the commodore 64.
0: Alright, smile and nod. So, what is it, and how does the
2: game play?
1: So, here's how Computer Video Games explained it in their review from July of 1985. Despite what the hero of the Rocky
2: Horror Show keeps telling you, it is easy to have a good time. Especially if you're playing CRL's computer game version of the Cult Rock Music Show. Load in the game and you'll find yourself inside the weird mansion home of Frank N. Furter. You can become either the hero or heroine, Brad or Janet. But your aim is the same. To find the dismantled parts of the D. Medusa machine and activate it before the mansion transforms itself into a giant alien spacecraft and blasts off for the stars. You also have to save your partner along the way. The mansion is inhabited by some odd people, Frank, of course, plus the evil riffraff and Magenta, Frank's assistant. Rocky Horror looks good, sounds good, and is very addictive, just like the show itself. You'll have to excuse me, I'm just off to do the time warp again. Graphics, 9. Sound, 7. Value, 9. Playability, 10.
0: This is Columbia Erasure.
1: I love old school video game reviews <laughs> seriously because like nowadays like if you're not watch if you're not looking at like a critical review of a game it's like the last of us 2 has lesbians 0 out of 10 right so how does this thing actually play right this is some marketing speak in here Basically, you're wandering around the castle collecting pieces of the broken up Medusa using keys to unlock doors and find more pieces. You can only carry one key and one piece at a time, I guess because you don't have any fucking pockets. So it's like a ton of side scrolling backtracking to like haul each piece over to the ballroom where you reassemble the pieces on the stage for some reason. It's basically like a mashup of like an adventure game and like a really obnoxious RPG fetch quest.
2: Right. And the entire time that you're running around, Riff, Magenta, and Columbia are also walking around the castle trying to distract you or waste your time. Because, of course, there's a constant timer counting down for you to complete the game. It's something like 25 minutes. And if Columbia catches you, she steals your clothes and hides them in another room. So you're then wandering around naked trying to find them before you can continue fetching these pieces and hauling them back to the stage. And before you ask, no, you don't see anything if you're playing as Janet. It's just a white blob. I mean, this is on a Commodore 64. Come on. So sometimes Riff also has his space gun. And if he zaps you, game over. You have to start again from the very beginning.
0: Wait, completely? Like, there's no checkpoints or anything? Just done, zap, restart?
1: Oh, Nikki, you sweet summer child. (laughs) This game was released in 1985. Real gamers, especially back then, don't need checkpoints. You die, you fucking start over. There is no, like, pussy safety saves in the 80s.
0: You know where else there aren't safety saves, John? Where? Real life, so keep talking. Keep talking. See what happens. Fuck around and find out.
2: I will. Also, if you touch a lightning zapper in one of the rooms in the game, uh, you die. Oh. And uh, if the temperature gauge on the screen gets to zero, the freezer thaws, and no, you don't die. Eddie starts running around on his motorcycle.
1: But if Eddie touches you, you fucking die. Start over. Oh, yeah.
0: This sounds extremely unpleasant.
1: So if you don't die over
2: and over and over, it's actually a relatively short game. Like, you can easily knock it out in 15 minutes or so. If you were going to speedrun this thing, I bet you could get it down to sub 10.
0: I mean, for the time, this was a good game, wasn't it? The reviewers gave it nines and a 10.
1: Well, that hasn't changed since the 80s. Like, all video game reviews are bullshit. There's not a single game where that review appears that received anything less than, like, a 5 on any stat. And by, like, today's standards in video games, like, this is shit.
2: But the consensus at that time wasn't quite that bad. There's also reviews from Computer Gamer, Crash Magazine, Popular Computing, and Sinclair User Magazine. These all came out in 1985 when the game released. Most of them have nice things to say, like about the visuals, the backgrounds, the way the characters roam around, and the screen transitions. But they are all critical of the animations and the sound in particular. Things that the company would try to improve for later
1: versions of the game. You can actually check out the really early version of this for yourself. So the original ZX Spectrum version is available on the Apple Store for 2 bucks to play on iOS. It's like kind of a mashup of the Commodore 64 and the Spectrum versions, but it's still a pretty accurate experience. Yeah, it's got a weird chiptune version of
2: Time Warp that just plays on a loop that I guarantee you, you definitely won't want to blow your brains out after listening to a dozen times. But if you're interested in playing it now, the one on the Apple Store is certainly the easiest one to play. You don't have to download any ROMs, you don't have to download an emulator or figure out how to get your settings right. It it just works.
1: But this version is far from the best version of the game. Compared to the later version, the ZX Spectrum is like, pretty bland it's entirely monochrome the items aren't randomized all the characters that run the castle start off stuck in rooms kind of makes the space feel totally empty the reviews from the time also said it was pretty buggy with like visual glitches slowdowns erratic behavior very cyberpunk you know One, (laughs) one review even went so far as to conclude with a summary of very nice game shame about the bugs huh that is cyberpunk you're right yep
2: So, there was also a version of the game that was released for Apple II, but speaking of bugs, that one was probably the worst of all of the versions. We won't talk about it too much, it was just a really sloppy port and had really limited hardware to go with it. The best version, though, was released in 1986 for the Commodore 128, so that was the last generation of the 8-bit Commodore system. This one, though, had massively improved graphics, lots of different colors, way better sound, they went like completely all out. It was actually pretty unusual for a game to get re-released for the Commodore 128 after it already had had a Commodore 64 version.
0: Oh? Why'd they do that? Is there a story there? And how did they even get the license for Rocky Horror to make all these different versions in the first
2: place? Good question, good question. So, all of these versions of the game were made by CRL Group, like John said. They were a UK-based company that was founded by a guy named Clem Chambers in 1982, and they mostly produced adventure-style games. He gave an interview to the now-defunct UK website, Games TM, in 1997, where he actually recounted how they got the license for Rocky Horror.
1: Here's the quote. We also worked on a license for War of the Worlds and the rights holders to the Rocky Horror Picture Show approached us as they were impressed with our work on that. The Rocky people were fun, and we got to forge some good relationships, such as Richard O'Brien. Sounds nice now, but it was actually all about pizza, cash flow problems, and coding death marches. He even recounted that the CRL office had its own Zen room. It was a place in the Rocky Horror Picture Show and the name of our in-house development department. It was full of kids eating pizza and writing games. I was a kid too, and it was a lot of fun, but easy to forget the kind of stress that we were all under. Pizza and writing games, wink, yeah, I'm sure that's all that happened in the Zen room. Mm.
2: But, I mean, like he said, there was a lot of stress. The stress wasn't the only problem that they had with the game. It seemed that Chambers had a problem with the content, too. Before the game was released, in November of 1984, he did an interview with Popular Computing, and in it, he said this.
1: We'll be basing the game around the stage environments of the stage show, with the emphasis on graphical presentation, rather than on the elements of dubious taste in the show itself.
0: Oh, wow, that's funny as shit. So they want to do a Rocky Horror game, but they're sketched out by Rocky Horror. No wonder it's a game all about putting together a puzzle and not, you know, a sweet transvestite. I'm surprised Richard O'Brien even went along with that.
2: Apparently he was fine with it, though he was admittedly pretty uninvolved. In a March 1985 article in Your Computer Magazine, they reported that Richard O'Brien was not going to be playing much of a part in the project since he is, quote, terrified of technology they said he didn't even use a word processor or a typewriter instead he said he'd rather quote
1: work with a pad and pencil so CRL group puts out the ZX Spectrum and Amstrad versions of the game and immediately starts work on the Commodore 64 version in a 2017 interview with UK Retro Gamer they spoke to the game's programmer Paul Andrew Stoddart he recalled that they needed the Commodore 64 version fast. So he and two other programmers figured out how to connect the ZX Spectrum to a Commodore 64 so that they could port all the graphics across. That's nuts. Right? He said <laughs> that when Activision asked them to bring the Commodore 64 version to the U.S. market, the Americans bitched about the Spectrum graphics. So they were redone in a Commodore 64 style by a guy named John Law. Stoddard also points out that there were actually three versions of the Rocky Horror Show for Commodore Machines. The C64 original with the same graphics as the Spectrum, an updated C64 release with new graphics that was like specifically for the United States, and finally, the Commodore 128 version. Because the team didn't have to worry about like the lack of memory on the C128, the graphics were improved further over the already enhanced C64 US version.
0: That's pretty cool that, like, even 40 years after the game came out, the programmer can still remember all that stuff. What a fun story. So that's the Rocky Horror video game. Good night, everybody.
2: Bye. Nikki, that's the first Rocky Horror video game.
1: We're we're just getting started.
0: Are you kidding me?
1: Nope. The (laughs) second Rocky Horror video game was called the Rocky Horror Interactive Show. It's this, like... Point and click adventure game developed by Online Entertainment and a company named Transylvania Interactive. Oh, yeah. What,
2: what kind of games they make. Mm.
0: <laughs>
2: so they described it as a spiritual successor to the CRL Group's 1985 video game adaption, but this time they basically slapped a whole new coat of paint on it and really ramped up the production values. It's got the same plot, the player assumes the role of either Brad or Janet, and they have to rescue the other one, who's been transformed into stone by Frank. They're still piecing together the Medusa, and they still have the time limit, so before the time limit runs out, they have to reassemble it, or the mansion turns into a spaceship and it takes off.
1: It took over four years to make, and it was originally announced in 1995, and it began as a project intended for both the Atari Jaguar CD and PC. However, due to the commercial failure of the Jaguar and the closure of the PC publishing division at Atari, the Jaguar CD version was never released, and the PC version remained on the publisher shelves until it was finally released for Windows in 1999.
2: It seemed like Richard O'Brien got over his fear of technology because he was super involved in its production. At certain points during the game, live-action footage of Richard O'Brien playing this game devil will pop up and mock the player. The game also uses live-action footage of Christopher Lee as the narrator, who comments on the player's progress and offers help and pithy little advice.
0: Wait. (laughs) So he wanted to be involved in this one, but he won't even play Riff? What a cop-out. The screenshots from this game at least look more modern. It's full color and kind of realistic in that old, like, 90s game kind of way. But I would bet this was still pretty bad for the time. PlayStation 1 games look better than this.
1: It was and while the game had more puzzles than the 80s game a lot of them are like really fucking weird and they have absolutely nothing to do with the movie and where the 80s game has like the iconic Oakley Court gargoyles all throughout the castle attempts to kind of at least be a good homage to the 8-bit game. This one takes a lot of really weird liberties. There's like this whole sequence where you control the robot. There's a giant oversized shark on the castle stairs for like no explainable reason. And for some reason, Audrey 2 from Little Shop is just like hanging out in the backyard. Hmm, yes, yeah, so yeah. I remember that. There's even bathrooms where you have to do puzzles with a jacuzzi tub, like all sorts of really weird shit. I shit you not, there is a disco slash bar in the castle where you have to make Rift do the time warp, and the controls are, like, absolutely garbage. Like, unplayable levels of garbage.
0: I don't even get why they released it at all if it was that bad.
1: I mean, that's never stopped any other game devs since, either. Yeah, that hasn't changed since the late 90s either. They knew
2: exactly what kind of junk they were releasing. They just didn't have Day Zero patches to try to fix
1: it like every game does now. Looking at you, Cyberpunk. <laughs> they did Day Zero patches and still didn't work. Yeah, right? It was so bad. Some versions of the game even came bundled with a walkthrough on how to complete it. Like You didn't have to go on game FAQs to go find your walkthrough. It, it just got shipped to you.
2: <laughs> and in a move that shouldn't surprise anyone who knows how companies like to milk money out of Rocky Horror fans, the game's CD doubled as a music CD. That's right, there was a whole set of brand new acoustic versions of some of the songs done by Richard O'Brien that you could play in-game, or you could hear if you popped the game into your CD player.
0: So what did the reviewers say about this one? Is this another case of just being too old for us to have a good perspective on it?
1: Not really. Like when it came out, it released to a very mixed reception from critics. So like some people gave praise to the humor and the campiness that was like very evident in the game, and they single out the audio as like the strong point of the entire game. But it was also really heavily criticized. like in particular for the clumsy user interface, the gameplay, the live action video being like really out of fashion by that point, and just like the generally outdated visuals for 1999.
2: Yeah, PlayStation 1 port was announced and planned to be published alongside the Windows version, but it was never released for unknown reasons. And in 2004, a non-playable demo of the game on Jaguar CD was released by the defunct Jaguar Sector 2 website on a compilation with other Jaguar rarities, but it's not playable, it's just kind of an interesting oddity.
0: Uh, Okay, so those are the two Rocky Horror games, both not huge commercial successes or... Even gaming successes, it sounds like, but still pretty interesting in their own right.
2: There's actually a couple other video game related Rocky Horror products out there. I would feel kind of remiss if we didn't at least cover them.
0: Of course you would, because God forbid we leave out even the smallest detail.
1: You don't sound very excited about this, Nikki.
0: No, I'm I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled.
1: <laughs> Hi, thrilled. I'm John. So, okay, Nikki. What are your feelings about slot machines? Do
2: those count as video games?
0: Hell no. You're not gaming at all. You're just pulling a lever. And I know this one. I've seen pictures of the Rocky Horror Fruit Machine. They have a whole write-up about it on the Time Warp UK site. It was released in October of 1996 and has music and sound effects from the show. The UK fan club brought a bunch of costume fans to help with the launch at the Gaming and Entertainment Industry Trade Show in London.
2: Ah, ah, but there's also a Flash version of the slot machine that was hosted on a UK site. Eh? That doesn't count. Agree. Okay, okay, but what if I told you that there's an extremely shitty ripoff of the Flash version... Of the slot machine that you can purchase in the Microsoft Store today. Shit you not. Do not, under any circumstances, go buy it. It's completely broken. It's missing all the sounds. It, it doesn't even work right. Just, no. But, eh? Uh, uh? uh,
0: so I guess that one kind of counts? But, like, come on. Not really.
1: Alright, how about this one? Did you know that there's actually a brand new Rocky Horror slot machine? But this one's like super modern, don't worry. It was released by WMS and SG Gaming in 2015. There's a report from the World Casino Index that has a really interesting note about its release. They said that while many licensed properly slots get released with a lot of fanfare, this wasn't the case for this new Rocky Horror machine. And this
2: thing is a modern video game, in the same way that all slot machines are slowly turning into giant video games. It plays video and music from the movie, like, constantly. There's a ton of recognized symbols and iconography, stuff like the lightning bolts and the lips. There's super iconic artwork, and all of the original film clips and music come directly from the film. They even put all of the audience participation props in as Bonus multipliers and other things that you can unlock and get to when you, I
1: don't know, put enough money into it. It's a slot machine. It kind of seems like this machine wasn't really made to draw new fans to the movie, though. Like, they just kind of wanted to bring fans of the movie into the casino to lose all their money.
0: So that's cool, but... It's not exactly the year that I would ever want to step foot in a casino. That just doesn't seem smart.
2: Well, you might not be totally out of luck. The manufacturer of this one is known to release their games to online casinos. So while it currently isn't available, you never know. Depending on the structure of the licensing agreement, it may be added to online casino catalogs after it's run its course in real life.
0: I'll get right on that. You know all the online gambling that I get into, but that's it, right?
1: How about an unreleased video game? Like, wasn't there a game that was supposed to come out a few years ago? Like, they did a whole Kickstarter for it. Ah, uh, yes. You're
2: thinking of Rocky Horror touch of <laughs> a me its It's-a-me,
1: a Brad. <laughs> <laughs> or, no, fuck it. It's-a-me, a Janet, hoo-hoo. a touch me a Yahoo! You have been
0: waiting for that. You were literally like, Yahoo! Like, that was... Oh. no
1: yes you're welcome <sighs> all right oh so
2: God. so rocky horror touch me was a mobile rhythm game where you would dance along to the rocky songs by swiping on the screen in time with the music you could play as Riffraff and they had plans for upgraded costumes, other characters, locations. You could build your own dance moves. All that stuff would be unlockable with in-game stuff and currency. I mean, it was a mobile game. You can figure out the monetization model.
0: It was on Kickstarter in April and May of 2016, raising almost $40,000 for the project, and they released a number of demo versions to backers. The last version they released in 2017 is available on some of the sites where you can download Android APK files.
2: Yeah, I've tried, but I've never really gotten those to work properly. I don't know if that's the game or I'm not sideloading it. Who knows? The game was unfortunately a bit of a letdown in the community. So when it first popped up, members of the UK Time Warp site met with the creators early on during the production, and they had nothing but good things to say. They reported the designers of the game had a genuine love for the show and were big fans of Rocky Horror themselves. There was even a soft launch party for the game in June of 2017, but after that, things kind of went sour. There were
0: reports of a lot of difficulty getting promised backer rewards from the Kickstarter, and updates on the game's progress slowly fizzled out. By August of 2018, there were reports that they were still working on the game, but progress was moving slowly, and they would need more time to get all of the features developed.
2: On their social media, the story wasn't great either. The company reported that they were completely revisiting the core gameplay mechanics. Apparently, the experience that they had wasn't really meshing to form a coherent experience.
0: And from there, it's pretty easy to imagine the development hell that must have gone on not enough resources to produce what they wanted, and perpetual frustration with what they had. In November of 2020, they finally made an official statement, albeit a random comment on a post on their Facebook page, asking about the status of their project. This one sealed the deal. They said, "'Sadly, we ran out of money and weren't able to raise what was needed. We still keep looking, but it's challenging.'" So odds are, Rocky Horror Toucha Me is just dead in the water— I can't imagine they can afford to hang on to the license indefinitely, and it sounds like financial troubles put an end to any significant development a few years ago.
2: But hey, if you want something in the same vein, did you guys know that Guitar Hero released some of the songs from Rocky as downloadable content? It was for the fifth game in the series. That's Guitar Hero Warriors of Rock.
1: And of course you would know this. Aaron, not to flex on... The podcast? Didn't you win the Rock Band World Championship like 10 years ago?
2: Oh, wow. Thanks for bringing that up, John. Yes, I did. And uh, my team was wearing full-blown Rocky Horror Floor Show costumes for half of the competition. (laughs) But that's a totally different story for a different episode. We're talking about Guitar Hero. It is a very different game from Rock Band, and you would know that.
0: Well, excuse us, princess.
2: So this DLC pack was released right around Halloween of 2010. Uh, Activision put out a track pack that retailed for around 6 bucks, depending on which console you bought it on, and it included Time Warp, Sweet Transvestite, and Hot Patootie. So since this was later on in the Guitar Hero series, the tracks had full support for guitar, bass, drums, and vocals, so you could play whatever part you liked most, and honestly, they were pretty good. As far as random guitar hero content goes i remember playing them with my friends in the rhythm gaming community right when they came out we had a lot of fun i even remember playing them a bunch of times with members of the new york city cast when they'd come over for parties all throughout that year we'd be busting it out and hey let's play time warp on guitar
1: hero why not
0: busting it out Mm.
1: like you can't (laughs) even play a lot of that dlc on current gen consoles though because like if you didn't buy it then there's no way to get it now that's a really big part of the whole problem with dlc in general
0: That's true, but there is a thriving community of guitar rhythm game fans that have developed a new game over the last few years. It's called Clone Hero, and it works with all the songs that were ever released across Rock Band and Guitar Hero. So, even now, you can jam out to Hoppatootie on a plastic guitar.
1: Nikki, how did
0: you... I had an ex that played it. Calm down. I know stuff.
1: Okay, but sure, but at this point, we're just talking about Rocky Horror content in video games in general. If you want to start delving into that, there are references and homages literally all over the place. Well, how about this then? Let's
2: not go too far into that. Did you know that there have been dozens of full-length Rocky Horror Shadowcast performances done entirely inside of video games over the last 20 years?
0: Really? How?
1: Oh, is this uh, Second Life? Because it has to be Second Life. It, it's Second Life. Yeah.
0: Okay, so, fuck you, Aaron. In the script here, you have me asking what Second Life is, and I just want to let you and all of our listeners know that I know what Second Life is.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. Statistically, you're more likely to play than either one of us, and honestly, I know you play more games than I do, so... Fuck
0: yeah, I do. Well, Yeah, okay. I Nick, do.
1: Nikki, <laughs> can you please be like derpy pretend to be like completely clueless about video games and allow us to mansplain second life to you so that we can actually explain it to listeners who might not know
0: (sighs) okay i'm a girl and i don't know what video game things huh you guys are boys and know everything about gaming what's second life
1: Second Life is this, like, massive virtual world that launched in 2003. It has this massive community that peaked in the mid-2010s, but it still has a decently, like, sizable player base to this day.
0: Oh, so it's kind of like World of Warcraft.
1: She says while twirling her hair. (laughs) I'm sorry, Nikki. Nikki. So, like, a little bit, except you aren't really doing quests or attacking monsters or any of that kind of stuff. It's mostly to, like, socialize, build things, trade, and, let's be real, have a lot of really weird virtual sex.
2: Like, tentacle monster meets furry green
1: alien for hardcore bondage kind of weird sex. Honestly, it gets even weirder. There's even a virtual currency kind of like the linden dollar that can be used to buy custom creations for other players like objects or costumes or behavior scripts and even things like property in the game it even has a real world exchange rate so as of today as of when we are recording this podcast one us dollar is equal to 320 linden dollars and you can buy stuff like a rocky or a magenta costume for your avatar for 200 linden dollars or around 60 cents Sign me up for that. I wish I could buy a Rocky costume for 60 cents. (laughs) Honestly.
0: And they would do full shadow casts of Rocky in this virtual world?
2: Yeah, they really did. They had virtual movie theaters in-game that they'd go perform in over the last 20 years. In 2007, there was this really interesting real-world crossover experiment where they did an interactive screening of Rocky Horror in-game that simultaneously also happened in the physical real world.
0: How the heck did that
2: work? You can check it out. There's a video on YouTube. Basically, there was this two-hour window where the virtual world had the opportunity to design a space that they then recreated in the physical world. But throughout the thing, the qualities of the virtual world were such that, like, they could constantly change it, and that would be changed in the real world. It was really weird. They used this whole thing to kind of take advantage of the unique medium to create a two-hour experimental architecture exhibit that also was a shadow cast performance of Rocky.
0: And they did a whole shadow cast of the movie in the game?
2: Yeah, they did, and that's just one example. As recently as mid-2020, there was a full shadow cast that performed in Second Life. Several performances go on every year, and they have since the game's first inception. I've never attended any of these things personally, but they're fairly well documented online.
1: They look like fun.
0: Oh, wait. And didn't one of our listeners write in like a few weeks ago talking about attending a show in Altspace VR? Is that like the same kind of thing?
1: Same kind of thing, but like a lot more modern. So Altspace VR is designed for modern virtual reality hardware like the Oculus Rift and like other headsets like that. And it's a platform for socializing, attending events, that kind of thing. Also weird sex. Right, also mm. weird sex. Yeah.
2: The organization that puts on the events in Altspace is called BRCVR. That's an acronym for Black Rock City Virtual Reality. It's a digital offshoot of one of the groups that hosts events at the Burning Man Festival every year.
1: Yeah, they will do shadow-casted shows and Rocky Horror-themed parties and events, like, all in virtual reality.
0: That's so crazy. Like, the more I think about it, the more random Rocky stuff I can remember seeing created by fans... There's hella mods for The Sims. I have most of them, Mm -hmm. Um, but there's like costumes and props and even full set pieces recreated for your virtual homes.
2: Yeah, and with platforms like Steam Workshop, you see a lot of homage content getting pitched for games that support user-created submissions. You can be a sweet transvestite in any game you want, assuming the game supports mods.
1: And there you have it, Mr. Totally. Don't say we never gave you nothing. As always, the sources for everything that we talked about can be found in our show notes, which, in addition to being in the episode description of wherever you are consuming this show, can now also be found on our website. So go check them out. Our writers put a fuck ton of effort into making sure that we cite our sources and are only telling you real, cold, hard, sticky, sweaty, throbbing facts. So check them out.
2: <sighs> yeah. All of those reviews from the magazines are available thanks to archive.org. You can still read them today. Some of them are really hilarious time capsules of reviewers who either were, like, kind of into Rocky or were just sick of hearing about that weird fad from the late 70s.
1: I was super entertained. Hi, super entertained. I'm John.
2: Fuck off. God damn it.
1: So, you know, we've been talking about these Rocky Horror games on this podcast episode. And I would like to let everybody know that me, Aaron, and Nikki will be playing through some of these Rocky Horror video games live on my Twitch account, which is twitch.tv slash hi John, I'm dad. There's no H and John. Don't try it. It's not going to show up. We will be playing through these with some really entertaining commentary, a lot of chat interaction on Tuesday the twenty sixth at around seven forty-five PM ish. So make sure you Come in, hang out with us. Some of our regular write-ins like Jill.
0: Hi, Jill. I love you.
1: Everyone knows and loves Jill from Rocky HPS fame. The Duke of New England. Rowan, Burr. who is actually one of my moderators, are all probably going to be there loving every single second of this. So make sure all of you come out and hang out with us in the community. Again, Tuesday to 26th at 7.45 p.m. Twitch.tv slash Hi, John. I'm Dad. We're going to speed run the shit out of these. Got to get the world record. Fuck yeah. After never playing it before.
0: Well, you know what? I think that's all for our show.
1: I think it is too.
0: (laughs) Good. I'm really (laughs) glad you agree. We want to thank Harley for writing in to us to take their rightful title as biggest dick haver. I also want to thank Mr. Totally for writing in and providing our Nikki asks a question topic. And we want to thank all of you for tuning in.
2: If you're enjoying the show and want to help us spread the word about it, Please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. It helps us make our podcast more visible to new listeners, which helps us grow the show. Also, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, all at Rocky Talky Podcast. So please go check us out if you
1: like us and want some more content. And please right to us. We absolutely love getting message submissions from you guys. And we look forward to chatting with you all week. We want to hear about all the really cool Rocky stuff that you and your cast are working on. And we want to share it on our show. If your cast is doing a show and you want to spread the word, or if you've got an amazing story from your Rocky horror career, go to our website, Rocky and fill out our contact form to share with us.
0: We'll talk to you all next week. Bye. See ya. Peace. Adios.
1: Get out. Bye. Bye. This isn't a Marvel movie. So if you're a musical third, what? If you if you're a musical theater nerd like the three of us absolutely are, The Hammer is his penis. I see what you did there.
2: Mm.
0: <clears throat> No. (laughs) Did you guys? (laughs) (laughs) I I need a sec. Okay.
1: The worst slash best one was during the Arisha, right? Yeah, it's Aresia. Aresia, Aresia, like ambrosia. Okay. The worst slash best one was during the Aresia convention in 2018, where our Anya for Buffy once more with feeling contract, contract, contracted. 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 contract Like, like, they were like, yes, we would like to bring strep throat to this conference. How much is it? Well, you got to check it with your COVID at the door. Sorry. Uh... Yeah. Could you please supply an (laughs) I-9? I ran outside in a blizzard to H&M, pre, is it Primark? Primark? Primark. Primark, Primark. I ran outside in a blizzard to H&M, Primark and Forever 21 that were forever what? Primark. That were that God. were forever nearby. I managed to find makeup back with like a I managed to find a makeup back with similar glittery What the fuck is my problem? <laughs> I managed to find it make throw the I'll whole man it. out. I'll take I'm just kidding. I managed to find a makeup bag with similar glittery fabric. Oh, makeup bag. Oh, there. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I managed to find a makeup bag with, like, a similar glittery fabric. By a guy named John Law. That's your name. Yes, my name is John Law. It was me. John (laughs) Law. Graphics. Four. 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 Something tells me that this is fucking Rowan again. (laughs) <laughs> well, what? can but we talk this...
0: on air what four means because i know that aaron said it's about the community
1: okay so four became kind of like a meme in the community like it was a very big in joke because at rko3 when roy came out right before rocky started all he did was come out on stage
0: i know this yeah
1: and he just held up four fingers and mm-hmm. everyone went absolutely fucking crazy yep so so it's just
0: a thing in the community because of that
1: yeah it was the, it the was way so said it it was so epic but at the same time it was so funny because it just really goes to show how excitable the rocky community is over yeah. absolutely fucking nothing <laughs> yeah like every other year he came
2: out and like did a whole big speech right about how you know thanks for all this and all of this stuff's great and yay we can't wait to do it next time but like this time he just walked out Hold
1: up, four fingers and then mic drop, and it's like, all right, yeah, everyone <laughs> completely crazy, so funny.
0: Well, excuse us, princess.
1: All <laughs> right, so- Nikki doesn't know what that's referencing.
0: No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> what am I referencing?
1: It's an old Zelda, uh, Legend of Zelda thing yeah. from the what TV the fuck show. Fuck, would
0: I know that?
1: Well, excuse me, princess. princess.
0: Should I do it like that? <laughs> Or does it not matter?
1: I don't think it matters. I just no. like that it's that was funny. in there. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Whatever. Whatever. First of all, I know what Second Life is. Fuck you guys. What the hell is Second Life? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right, Nikki, let me explain to you what Second Life is because you clearly don't know what Second Life I is and no me idea what as this a is. man,. I know what Second Life is, so allow me to explain it to you. Demographically, she's more likely
2: to know than we are, based on Second Life's demographics. Anyway, so
0: is that like the same kind of thing? No. Okay.
1: Yeah, same kind of thing, but like a lot more modern. And speaking to Mm -hmm. about fuck me, and to speak, (laughs) (laughs) a pickup. It's
2: a me, a touch of me. It's a me, <laughs> a pickup. <laughs> a pickup. It's a pickup.
0: I'm a woman of God. <laughs>